each day I'll do a golden deed by helping those who are in need. My life on earth is but a span, and so I'll do the best I can. Life's evening sun is sinking low. A few more days and I must go to meet the deeds that I have done, where there will be no setting sun. It's a beautiful song and it's entitled A Beautiful Life. And uh, it's, a, it's a life, it's a song that all of us ought to be striving for. I'm humbled and honored tonight to be a part of this 75th annual National Church of Christ lectureship. Uh, the theme from tragedy to triumph is so very fitting. And I want to thank God tonight. I thank God tonight for walking with me and holding my hand. One of my favorite songs is Jesus Hold My Hand. And I'm a living witness that God has been holding my hand and I have not let go. And I thank God tonight. I thank him for traveling grace. We fly all year long and I never really think about anything. We fly across the pond and we go to Europe and we go to England and Israel and these places and you don't think about too much but then when they said 737 max and it's having some problems you start thinking about the plane you own is this a 737 max and so I'm thankful to God for his amazing grace and granting all of us traveling grace to come to this place I want to express my gratitude and appreciation uh, to Brother Conley Gibbs and the Lectureship Committee uh, for inviting me to come, and I'm humbled and honored to be here uh, tonight. I, I was not planning to come this year. Uh, I'm in the season of caregiving, and uh, it has been my charge to take care of my parents who are aging. Uh, those of you who are members of the church, you know Jack and Patricia Evans, and they have given literally everything they've got yeah. to the church and to the brotherhood and to the school there in Terrell Southwestern Christian College and to our family. And now they're in the golden years of their lives, and I have been trying my best to be a good son and, and to take care of my parents. My wife is with me tonight, and I always like to introduce her wherever we go. We've been traveling a lot last year, uh, and then we had to slow down for a while, but uh, I like for folk to know who she is and where she is and whose she is. <laughs> I don't want there to be any misunderstandings up in here, lest I have to lay hands on somebody. <laughs> they won't be holy hands either. But my wife is here, and I wanted to stand. Baby, stand up, let them see you. This is Vicki Evans. Yes. 
And I'm so thankful to God that he sent her to me. And, and she's my charge now. She's my, my responsibility. And I told her parents when I married her, don't worry about it anymore. I got it from here on out. I want to thank this August body and this brotherhood for the prayers, not just recently, but about two months ago, I almost lost my father. Uh, he had double pneumonia. We rushed him to emergency. They tried to treat him. They gave him strong uh, antibiotics to fight the pneumonia. Uh, he was on uh, IVs and wires and things for about five or six days and three different doctors came in and they told me that uh, he's not going to make it. They, they asked me to, they advised me to put him on hospice and, um, and so I took their advice just making preparation because I didn't know what was on the Lord's mind and so uh, I took their advice, I put him on hospice, and then I began to call my friends, and I asked them to pray. And there was prayer going up before God all over this country on behalf of my daddy who was sick unto death. And uh, we put him in hospice, we went back the next day, and he's sitting up in the bed nurses feeding him some food and what was strange about this is the doctor told me that he had a condition that where he for, he forgets to swallow and it will not get any better it's just going to get worse but I've concluded that doctors are only practicing physicians they can only go as far as their knowledge will allow them and so I asked I asked my friends and, and people who are praying folk to talk to God on behalf of my daddy and I, I prayed myself and there were two things I asked the Lord I said Lord if you're coming for daddy I want you to help me to accept that you're coming I didn't argue with him there's no discussion about it I am faithful I trust him I said Lord if you're coming help me to accept it and help me to be at least half the man he was to hold my family together but the second thing is, I asked him, Lord, if you're not coming right now, I want you to teach him to swallow again. Let him eat his food. And so the next day when we went in and saw him eating, I, uh, I asked the nurse, I said, did he swallow? She said, oh, yeah, he's had two good helpings of food. And he was looking at her. He could barely whisper, but he said to her, I want sweet potatoes. And she acted like she didn't understand what he was saying. He said it one more time, I want sweet potatoes. And she went on to some other subject, and she looked, he looked at me on the other side of the bed and said, I want him to bring me sweet potatoes. <laughs> and I said all that to say this, there's power in prayer. And I just, I just believe, I just believe. And I thank you. I thank you for your prayers. I almost canceled, really. I, I, I was thankful for the opportunity, but I almost canceled uh, this time last week. All right. All right. This time last week, I, I eulogized and I buried my dear sweet mother, 
I stand before you tonight with a broken heart. The Lord came for mama. I'm happy for her because she was so tired. She was suffering emotionally. She was missing her mother whom I had buried four years earlier. She missed her sister who had died the year after her mother. She was missing the man that she had married 60 years ago. She was missing her health and she was weary. She was tired. And the day she passed, my brothers rushed her to emergency. I was preaching at Rock Hill and I was coming and uh, my brother called me back and he said, she didn't make it. I said, what? Mama's always bounced back. She didn't make it. He said, on the way to the emergency room, her heart stopped. And I thanked God that because he had come for mama. I thanked him that he did not allow my brothers to see her die. And sometimes we overlook the mercy of God. See, this wasn't the first time we went through this. Uh, we came back from South Africa. Brother Evans, y'all were with us, and I went home, and my mother was in the bed, and she was sick, and I said, Mama, get up. We're going to the doctor today. We're going to the doctor. Get up. And so we tried to get up. She fell back on the bed, and she gasped, and she took the last breath, and she was literally not breathing. She was unconscious. And my dear wife began CPR, blew into her mouth, her breath, and Mama started breathing again. By that time, I had 911 there, and they came in, stabilized her, rushed her onto the hospital. I realized then God was coming for her. But he didn't do it right then. He said, not yet. He's a merciful God. He knew we had not wrapped our minds around this thing yet. He's giving us time to get ourselves together. Got to the hospital. She coded with wires everywhere. She coded. Only my wife in the room, whether she called the nurses, they run in 20 deep and they cut a hole in the neck and they put a hole in there and she starts breathing again. God said, not yet. But on March 31st, he said, that's enough. And he showed us mercy. He showed us mercy. And so I'm here tonight. I'm here because I have always wanted to make God proud of me. I've always wanted to make my daddy proud. I want my wife to be proud of me, and I sure enough want my mama to be proud. I was her preacher. I eulogized her last week. I committed her body to the ground, and I know where she is. These brethren here, have torn up the place tonight. And so I'm just going to share what little stuff I got here and, uh, and take my seat. But I, I'm just, I'm glad we're all on the same team. I love to hear David preach and sing. I love to hear Wesley T. Hey, he, he, he's some kind of preacher. I mean, he can keep you amused and teach you at the same time. And I just appreciate these guys. 
Follow me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to read the verses that were assigned, and then I want to, I want to do something a little different tonight because I'm just in a different frame of mind. But I, I still want to teach this August body uh, the beauty of what God has done for us and what he does on a daily basis. Listen to Paul here in verse number 53. Uh, well, let's start with verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall I put on incorruption and this mortal shall I put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. My favorite verse, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know, your labor not in vain in the Lord. The charges have been dropped. There are many, even in this audience, who could, with surgical and sterile exegesis, unpack this text. I want to do something different with it tonight, because I'm just in a different frame of mind. My mama's gone, and I, 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 just want to, I just want to make this relevant and poignant for you, and I want to make it palatable for everyone listening here tonight. Paul says in verse 30, now this I say, brethren, Paul is helping the brothers, the believers at Corinth to understand the changing of bodies. You came here, Paul says, in the image of the first Adam, physical tabernacle. You want to take on the image of the second Adam, Jesus the Christ, which is spiritual. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, that, that would be corruptible and not suited to the eternal kingdom. One must be put off, the other put on. Death is swallowed up in victory. Paul is quoting Isaiah 25, 8, and then he quotes Hosea 13, 14. Uh, by faith, the final victory is over death. Let me tonight give you something you can quickly identify with without, without bogging down talking about the law. The sting of death is sin. The wages of sin lead to death. It is sin that gives death his power to sting and destroy. The power of sin is the law, Romans 6, 23. The law broken is sin, and when this law is consciously broken, the conscience is wounded. Yeah, yeah, 
You look at that word conscience, when you split it, you've got con, which means against, and science, which means knowledge. And when you have learned about God, you've learned his law, and when you break that law, your conscience bothers you because you're going against knowledge. So here's my dilemma. What can I do? If I've broken the law, where, where can I go? Who do I turn to? And I came to tell you tonight what I've been doing, and I've been turning to Jesus. According to my brethren here, the, the charges have been dropped. Uh, is the topic because of what Jesus did on Calvary, but I, I see it a little deeper than that. I'm still guilty. I've broken the law and I'm guilty. I can't undo what I have done. I can't undo what has displeased God. I'm guilty and so now I, I'm looking for somebody that can pardon me. We serve a God who gives pardons. And I, I used to preach a sermon years ago called Guilty But Pardoned. I'm thankful that God is in the pardoning business. Almighty God had my pardon planned before the foundation of the world. God already knew. And you may beg to differ with my theology tonight, but I want you to understand that Jesus had already died on the cross of Calvary before Adam and Eve fell in the garden. Because God is omniscient and he knows everything, he already knew that Christ would have to die on the cross of Calvary before Adam and Eve fell in the garden. He's an awesome God. And he had my pardon in mind long before I got here. I, I, I love The thing I love about God is he's not like us. God will give you another chance. I said he'll give you another chance. Man might give you a chance, another chance, but he'll remind you that he did. God gives us another chance. I, I wrote a book called The God of a Second Chance. We serve a God who is ready, willing, and able to give us another chance. And that's why we ought to be thankful for the pardon that he extends to us because all of us have broken the law. You can't unbreak the law. And I'm going to show you tonight the beauty of what Jesus did when he died on Calvary, when his body was broken. I told the church yesterday uh, in, in, in Houston, Texas at the Garden Oaks, I told him you ought to see the communion in a different light. When you take the communion, when you take that bread out of there, you're not just eating a cracker and drinking some grape juice. That bread represents the broken body of Jesus Christ. And so he became sin for us. When you look at that bread, your lion is on that bread. Y'all not going to help me. I'm going to preach anyway tonight. When you have backslidden or run away from the Lord, you, you are eating the bread where Jesus has put his sins on him and given us a pardon for us breaking the law. And see, this thing was planned long before you and I showed up. Deuteronomy 18, 15. A prophet shall the Lord thy God raise up from among you 
and among thy brethren like unto me, hearken unto him. I saw Jesus. I saw my pardon coming long before we got here. That's why I love the Old Testament so much because when I preach the New Testament, it just validates what we preach in the New Testament. God was getting ready to send the pardon down here, and we see him in prophecy. Sometimes when I quote Isaiah, I'm trying to show folk that God was showing us Jesus in prophecy. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1, in the days of the death of King Uzziah, I saw the Lord seated upon a throne high and lifted up in his train, filled all the temple. There was seraphim above the temple. They each had six wings. Uh, with two wings, they covered their face. Uh, with two wings, they covered their feet. Uh, with two wings, they did fly. They said, holy, holy, holy. The earth is full of the Lord's glory. I can see my pardon in prophecy. Isaiah 9 and verse number 6. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I see my pardon coming down the streams of time. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse number 5. Go ahead and preach, Jack. All right, I see him right there in Isaiah 11 verse 5, and, and righteousness is the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf, and the young lion, and the fattening together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear, they shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together, and the old lion shall eat straw like the ox. The sucking child shall play upon the hole of the asper. The weaning child shall put his hand in the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt, nor destroy in all my holy mountain for the shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I see my pardon coming down the streams of time. Isaiah 28 and verse number 16. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation of stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. I see my pardon coming down the stream of time. Daniel chapter 2 and verse number 44. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall not be left to other people. It shall break into pieces and consume all nations, and it shall stand forever. Daniel chapter 7, verse number 13, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven, and he came into the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him, and there was given him dominion, glory, and power. Am I right about him? And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. Now listen, I'm trying to show you. I see my pardon coming. And what excites me about where I am in Christ is God was planning it before I got here. Are y'all following me? Even when I look at Isaiah 40, 31, that makes me happy. The Bible says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall remove the, shall, shall mount up with they shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings as eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint when you look at the old testament you can see that God had a plan that was going to come to fruition when Jesus comes so let's follow him real quickly he's in the garden of gethsemane a man comes in and betrays him he ends up coming out of the garden. Caiaphas didn't want to deal with him. He sends him to Pilate's hall. 
Pilate doesn't want to deal with him. He sends him up to Herod's court. Herod doesn't want to deal with him. He sends him back to Pilate's hall. Pilate says, I don't find any fault in this man. But Jesus is sent to pardon the guilty. Watch him. They whip his back with 39 stripes. The whip had bone chips and metal fragments and it literally tore the flesh off a man. They went crazy. They cried out in anguish because of the excruciating pain. But the Lord endured that for you and for me. I understand now why Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. Chastisement of his peace was upon us. With his stripes, we're healed. He's taken our sin. He's taken our transgression. He's suffering for you and for me. They take him and nail him on that cross. They drop it in the ground. He hangs there suspended between two thieves, between the two twilights of the world. There he hangs. And I find it ironic. This man being a carpenter by occupation, he metaphorically took that cross those two pieces of wood turned it into a ladder Matthew on which to climb toward glory I find it strange and even amazing he took that cross two pieces of wood and he turned it into a wagon in which to bear all of our sins and our burdens I find it amazing that he took that cross two pieces of wood and turned it into an altar on which to be the ultimate sacrifice for all mankind I find it amazing that Jesus could take that cross two pieces of wood and metaphorically he being a carpenter by occupation could turn it into a throne on which to sit reign and rule he died on that cross they took him down and buried him but have you ever noticed when Jesus was on the cross he said two words I thirst What's that about? They brought him vinegar mingled with gall when he tasted. He didn't want to drink it. I'm not that. I'm not looking for something to wet my whistle. He said, I thirst because back in the garden, he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass for me, but not my will. Thy will be done. Let this cup pass. Here he is on the cross. I thirst. What do you mean, Lord? I'm ready now to endure the suffering. I'm ready now to die on this old rugged cross. I don't mind my mama watching me die. I don't mind my brethren have deserted me. I don't mind this crown of thorns on my head. I thirst. I'm ready to drink the cup. This is why we got a pardon. This is why we got a pardon because he stayed there on the cross they took him down. They buried him in Joseph's new tomb. Joseph, I guess Joseph knew he only needed it for the weekend. He allowed him. 
allowed him to be buried in the tomb. They put a rock in front of it. God dispatched an angel, go down, move the stone. It wasn't to let the Lord out. He was already gone when he got there. It was to let us look in. Now, you heard David talk about preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I just believe we need to go back to pre preaching the simplicity of the gospel and let folk make their own decisions. It doesn't matter how eloquent and how articulate you are and how educated you might be if you're not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you tonight, it ain't old fogey. It's not antiquated. It's not outdated. It still will save a man or woman from their sins. Preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I think... And I'm going to close, but I think we have forgotten, brethren, that we are in need of a pardon. I think sometimes we have forgotten. We spend more time warring and sparring than studying and praying. I think sometimes we are more concerned about withdrawing fellowship and excommunicating than trying to build Christ-like brotherly relationships. I think some are taking autonomy further than what was intended. I think some are abandoning the doctrine of Christ and following the traditions of men. And, and then there's an elephant. There's an elephant in the room. We've got two lectureships operating now with people having to choose which one to go to. Brethren, we need unity, not division. And we need to remember that all of us are sinners who need a pardon that comes from Jesus Christ. Listen, this is the Lord's house. This is the Lord. Somebody's looking at me saying, he ain't old enough to talk like that. How old do you have to be? I'm 58 years old. I've been preaching for 41 years now. I preached at the same church for 23 years and wrestled with members for 23 years. How old do you have to be? I read the same book you read. We got to work harder at unifying the body instead of withdrawing fellowship from each other. I think we have forgotten that we need a pardon. And I said it before, and I'm going to say it again tonight. I said it on a national lectureship. I said, brethren, stop airing out your dirty laundry on social media. Come on, brethren. The world is looking at us. If you have out with your brother issue, get with that brother. Y'all sit down and pray and study and pray some more. And if you can't come to a conclusion, find somebody that's influential in your life. Bring them into the mix. You've got to understand the world is looking at us. And when you put that mess, and I'm tired of defending it. I don't really do Facebook and folk tell me, well, what about your people over here? I'm tired of hearing that. If you got a problem, go work it out somewhere. Okay, all right, all right. Let me, let me, let me, let me make this a little more palatable for you. 
last Saturday. I stood over my mother's grave. And I said earth to her, ashes to ashes. You preachers know who I'm talking about. Dust to dust. My brother laid one rose. My other brother laid another rose. My brother John Tillman laid the third rose. And I'm saying bye on this side to my mama. And I ain't going to lie, it hurts. There are those of you out there right now who have been there already. I've heard from you. And I appreciate so much the calls and the letters and the text messages and emails and all that. I appreciate it. You've been there and you've been trying to comfort me. And if you've not been there, I pray, God, you never have to go there. Your mother is your first and forever friend. She's a good mother. She's a good mother. And so I... I asked the Lord, I said, now, Lord, you came for what I'm going to do now. He said to me two words, trust me. You mean with my mama out of my sight? I can't hug her no more. I can't kiss her no more. I can't have conversation. We can't eat a meal together. The Lord said to me, trust me. So the only way I could trust God is I have to go back and hear something from him. I read over there what Job said in Job 121. Naked came out into this world. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord had taken away. We don't have a problem as long as he's giving. Come on now. Get a good job, praise him. Get a raise, promotion, praise him. Go to church, put a little extra 20 in the basket. Praise him. But what about when he takes away? I still want to praise him, but Lord, what do I do now? He said, trust me. I said, all right, Lord, all right, all right, I hear you, I hear you. But in order for me to trust him, I have to, I have to hear his word in echo in my head. And so I went and got my Bible, and I read over there, absent from the body, yet present with the Lord. I, I'm trying to strengthen my trust. I heard, I heard Wesley quoting this earlier. He quoted, uh, blessed are the dead that die in the Lord, I believe. But you got to get verse 12 before 13. 12 says, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, right? Blessed are the dead that I'm trying to strengthen my trust. I'm telling you tonight, church, because God has extended a pardon to all believers, I don't have no problem with where my mama is. The human side hurts. And if it didn't hurt, then I didn't love her. But the divine side says, I'm not going to argue with God. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to praise his name. 
And I, I rededicated and recommitted and reassured God that even later on, I'm going to keep on preaching the same gospel. Where the calls come, where they got a place, there's always going to be somebody that needs to hear the word of God. And so tonight, yes, the charges may have been dropped, but I think it's deeper. You can't undo breaking the law. But because of what Jesus did in completing his redemptive work on Calvary, you've been pardoned. All of us ought to be familiar with pardons. That's all they're talking about in Washington right now. They waiting on Trump to pass out pardon. He better say something for himself. I ain't starting nothing. I'm just telling you. When you got 8,000 lies and it's steady growing. But that's worldly. I'm talking about a spiritual thing now. Because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we have been pardoned and our bodies will change. I told the church, uh, the people when I eulogized my mother, and I'm getting ready to extend the invitation. I told them, I said, my mother was beautiful. Oh, she was a looker, Greg. I looked at pictures before I came along. I see why my daddy was trying to get his Mac on. <laughs> Mama was beautiful, pretty. But then God says, you think she was beautiful here. Just wait. Just wait till you see her in her heavenly garments. Just wait till you see her in that long white robe washed in the blood of the Lamb. Just wait. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when I can see my mother again. And I have no doubt that God has pardoned her because he does it for all faithful believers. I really didn't think I could do this tonight, but I, I appreciate y'all. This is therapeutic. I've stumbled and bumbled tonight, but I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I'll get back, I'll get back on my game here after a while but I just thank God for the people of God who have been so loving and kind and this is the way we all ought to be for one another there may be somebody in here tonight you're not a member of the body of Christ I was telling David about a story uh, that the church where I preach he told you about the young man sitting forward and it helped change his attitude about preaching on the day my mother passed March 31st I had just preached that morning at Rock Hill, and this, these have been some great people. They've taken care of me ever since I left the school. And I, I just preached that morning. It was supposed to be my last Sunday there with them. And, uh, and so just had a wonderful time. One of the elders took me out to lunch. He brought this young man to the table. He said, would you uh, talk with him? He was interested in what you said this morning. And I had noticed him. I had never seen him before. And for those of you that don't know, this is a Caucasian church. It's, we're mixing it up now, but it's a Caucasian church when I got there. And this young man, never been there before, came in, sat in the inside aisle, and the whole time, he's glued in on me. 
And I'm going to tell you this. I know I'm going to get beat up afterwards about this, but this was one of them mornings I had pulled out the Baptist manual, Methodist discipline. I had uh, Church of God in Christ. Yeah, yeah, it was old school that morning because I was on my way out, so I just unloaded my wagon that morning. <laughs> unloaded my wagon. My wife is my witness. She said, what got into you today? I just said, I just felt like preaching. And I know, I know people have a problem with that, but I can't tell you how many folk I've baptized using those, those man-made books and comparing it to God's Word. But anyway, uh, and so I finished the message that morning, and I didn't know he was interested. I just saw him glued in the whole morning. And we got to dinner. He said, the elder said, would you just answer some more of his questions? And so we sat down. He had two very simple questions. Answered them real quick. I said, you ready to be baptized? He said, Yes, sir. So as soon as we got through eating, I was going back to the church with the elder, and I was going to baptize this young man myself that day. But I got a call from my brother. He said, Mama's sick. What do I do? I said, call EMS. They called EMS, and they were rushing her. My brother called back and said she didn't make it. So I told the elder, I said, I, I got to go home. But would you go and baptize him? And sure enough, he baptized that young man, and he's faithful. And I said all that to say this, just preach the gospel. That's what 1 Corinthians 15 is all about. Preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and all that goes with that, and let people make their own decision. Amen. I didn't come here to hurt nobody's feelings, but we got a lot of mess going on that we need to work on and correct because we're God's people. Amen? Stand on your feet right now. If you're here and you're not a member of the body of Christ, you come down the aisles. This is called the plan of salvation. Hear the gospel. Believe it. Repent of your sins. Confess Christ to be the Son of God and the Lord of your life, and then we will baptize you in water according to the Scripture. There are those in our brotherhood now starting to say that baptism is not essential to salvation. You don't have the right. No man has the right to change what Jesus set in motion. He said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Matthew 28, he said, all power is in my hand. Go ye therefore in all the world preaching the gospel, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized. Paul said in Galatians 3.27, for as many of you as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Baptism, water baptism is essential to salvation. Somebody says, well, what does it do? The water doesn't do anything. It's an act of obedience. It's a condition of the covenant. If you want to connect with the blood of Jesus, you have to do like the Lord did. He died, was buried, and resurrected. Baptism is a death, a burial, and a resurrection. When you come up out of that water, you come up a new creation. You, you're still guilty, but you're pardoned now. You're still guilty, but the sin that you've broken, the law you've broken, will not be held against you. And so tonight, there may be somebody in this August body, and I, I never know. I never know, and I love to extend the invitation and let people make their own decision. 
And what we're going to do, what you got, Chris? Can we, can we do Pass Me Not? What you got? Let's do Pass Me Not. We're going to sing this, and we're going to wait for you. If you want to be baptized, there is a pool here. There's water here somewhere. We'll baptize you tonight. Come to him as we sing. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Why don't you hear, hear my humble private time that you'll pray for the mother and mother-in-law of Willie Anderson. Let us bow. Holy Father, we stretch forth our hands to thee, for there is no other help that we know. From everlasting to everlasting, we know that thou art God. You're God all by yourself. Lord, we pause just now to lift up the mother and mother-in-law of our brother, Willie Anderson. He is concerned he wants them to be saved. He wants them to not only hear, but obey the gospel. And we're praying to God that you would move on their hearts, that you would soften their hearts, and that they will accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, confess him, be baptized in water, and add it to his body. We're praying to God that the word will keep being planted, keep being watered, and we know in due season you'll give the increase. And so we're asking, dear God, that you'd move and move in a mighty way, but only according to your divine will. 
And then, dear God, I thank you tonight for allowing me to stand in the gap, for touching these lips of clay and using me even in my feeble way tonight. I love you, Lord, and I will never, never stop preaching and never stop being faithful to you. And we're prayerful, dear God, that all believers will feel the same way. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.